0: In my desire to help, I had created more opportunity for problems, right? You know, and so then what I realized, and this is, you know, just me, you know, learning and evolving as a Christian and a person, that if if I can help, I help. But if I need to drive by and pray, then I'm going to help that one.
1: Hey, Al Anderson, welcome to episode 112 of the Commando Voice. Today, I speak with the founder of Box of Good, as well as Cal Can Help. Please welcome... Tristan Classic. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Kameno Voice Podcast, where I interview folks around Kameno Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Al Anderson, welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. On um, this episode, I got to speak with Tristan Klesik, uh, and if that name sounds familiar to you, um, he's actually come up in a few uh, other podcasts, uh, specifically like Tobin's podcast talked about uh, working for classics, uh or Box of Good, um, And so he's someone that I've known about within the community for a while. Um, uh, You know, my dad's known him, uh, my brother-in-law has known him, Tobin's known him. So I've known about him, heard about him, uh, and uh, known that he's been a, you know, business person in this community for, you know, almost 20 years now. And so he's someone I really wanted to uh, connect with and be able to interview. Um, And so we finally got connected and set up a time to sit down. And Tristan, uh, like I said, he's been in this community for quite a while now, and started with farming uh, and kind of building up a CSA box uh, that they would do deliveries for. uh, And over time, that continued to evolve and and become its own uh, business and and how that operates. But then recently, um, took some of that platform that he built out on that, or that his team has built out, and actually launched a second business, um, moving from veggies and fruit into a software company. So uh, we get to talk about all of that, the different challenges are, there are in starting a software company versus, um, you know, something that's more tangible, hands-on. Uh, so we get into all of that and more uh, in this interview. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Tristan Classic. Hey, Ellen Anderson, welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice. Today I'm here with the founder of Box of Good and Cal Can Help. Welcome to the podcast, Tristan Classic.
0: Uh, thanks Brandon I appreciate the opportunity to come and share.
1: Yeah so before we get started tell us a little bit about Tristan.
0: Yeah we're f- relatively new to the, the Camano Stanwood area we got here in 2003. Okay. Which seems like a newbie compared to some of the families have been here since you know <laughs> the 1800s but um, we love it up here and the reason we even came to this area Joel and I moved here is because of farmland. Uh, back then it was more affordable Um, and it's just beautiful ground up here, just a place to raise a family, but also to raise vegetables. And so we found this whole farm and it was rough condition, but (laughs) we wanted to farm. And so we just got to work on restoring the house and planting crops. Okay, nice.
1: So, uh, where did you end up growing up then?
0: Um, Joel is from Snohomish. Okay. Um, probably third generation, fourth generation Snohomish person. And then I was in South Everett. Okay. Um, yeah, and so farming really wasn't in either of our backgrounds, um, but eventually we found our way to the land.
1: Yeah. So, um, did, you, did you go to college?
0: Yeah, I went to college down in Forest Grove, Oregon at Pacific University, and Joelle went to Western.
1: Okay.
0: Um, and we just kept in touch through, through college and got married right after she graduated in 89. Okay. And been in love ever since. Really, yes. it's a beautiful thing to be in love with your best friend.
1: <laughs> Very cool. Um, what did you study while you were in college?
0: Uh, business, um, I guess, you know, I played soccer and did student leadership and, uh, but mostly just, you know, just went down the business track and got out in four years. I had, uh, worked in Alaska during the summers, so a place called Petersburg. And so that was, you know, long hours and hard work. Um, didn't want to necessarily be on the cannery crew forever. Yeah. Um, and then I just kind of got out of college, got married and started figuring our way through life. Um, and today here we are.
1: Yeah. So was <clears throat> when you were going to college and deciding on business as a degree, um, was that something you'd been interested in or were, like, was there guidance from your parents?
0: Hmm. Uh, I went there. I went there to play soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I um, and then I thought I would do physical therapy. I really like physical therapy. Yeah. Well, there was way too much science at that point. I realized that I did not like science that much. Um, and so then I pivoted just to business. Um, and my dad's always been in business. And um, yeah, and business is solving problems, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the goal of a small business owner is to find a niche and then begin to meet it and help people have, you know, a better experience or better service. Um, and so I really like problem solving. And that's why I find myself on, you know, local committees or, um, in leadership positions because you're solving problems right, and and you get to serve people. And I think that as a business owner, solving problems and serving people are just like, I mean, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm I'm always blown
1: away by the San Juan Camino area. Um, you know, I've been able to interview a lot of the different uh, directors or executive directors or presidents of the local nonprofits and stuff. And I'm always blown away by the the qualifications that they bring to the table. It's not like you know I wasn't doing anything, so I decided to jump into this. It's like people that were CEOs, ex CEOs, or mm. um, directors of very large um, nonprofits or companies, and they've come to this area and then they take over our different you know nonprofits, and they've done such a good job with it.
0: Yeah, I think that people who are in leadership positions or gravitate towards that responsibility, it it's almost in their DNA. They have to continue. It's you know, it's just mm-hmm. a part of how they're wired, um, and and they know they're good at it. And and the older you get, and now that I'm north of fifty, you know, I, I'm fairly selective about the things I do because there's some things I don't do well. Yeah, I mean, I used to carry water. I say that as a, a as a figurative speech, but you know, I could do anything in a business. But I was really good at, you know, the promotion, the marketing, the vision. And so as soon as I could hand off the bookkeeping or hand off, you know, the planning, (laughs) I would hand that off immediately. But until then, I would just carry it until I could find the right person to come alongside and join the team. Right. Yeah. Mm. And that that makes a huge difference. I think.
1: Um, I mean, you've gone through the startup world twice now and just that whole process of like everything relies on you in that beginning part and you're doing every single thing. Um, but yeah, and divesting as you get those good people on that are able to take the, you know, do that job better than you and enjoy it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who who are wired to do that job, right? Exactly. Um, and so it it is important to, you know, um, think about like, you know, the, you know, the seat on the bus, right? Jim Collins book or, um, you know, good to great. It's like my businesses really have morphed based on the talent that's shown up. Yeah, You know, and as a Christian, I'm really, you know, really loose with how I hold people because I want them to fulfill their commission, their calling in life. And as people join our team, you know, I'm just excited to plug them in where it makes sense. And if it's only for a month or for six years, I don't really care. I just want them to come and be a part of the team and and walk with us. Um, And so being able to, I mean, just find people their spot. Yeah. And and, and then the business changes because it's really not my business. It's kind of like a community business. It's a team business. Yeah. And then when they have that freedom to be themselves, oh my goodness, unlock potential. Yeah. You know, it's not super exciting to see that happen.
1: Yeah. No, for sure. And I think um, what I, when I was first taken over with the marketplace and just working in general, um, I'm always, I guess I'm always a person that thinks in the, the long term. And so I want to find these young people, this young talent, and then just you know, coach them along and then have them stay with the company for 30 years. Yeah, And like 90% of who we bring through our business are on to college or on to other, you know, great things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that was a big shift in my mind of like, no, my job isn't to take these people, bring them in, and then they're going to be with us forever. It's to prepare them for their next stage in life and then allow them to move on into that. Um,
0: yeah, absolutely. Good for you to do that. A lot of businesses, you know, tend to kind of want to hang tightly to their, their team members. Mm-hmm. And even in our business, we ask them We say, if you're planning on moving on, just let us know, give us three months, four months, six months notice. We don't care. We want what's best for you, yeah. you know, and, and, and people are really free that way because they know that, you know, you want what's best for them. And then they give you a long notice and you can plan because it is hard to replace a team member.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the whole, I mean, if you get two weeks in today's day and age, count yourself lucky. Cause that's <laughs> Not common, but, you know, two weeks is so short in reality.
0: Oh, it is almost (laughs) impossible to turn on a dime, right? Even the simplest business is not simple. Right. You know, it's a lot more complex today than it ever has been.
1: Yeah, for sure. So... So you guys were looking around. So you guys were living in Everett. So after you graduated college, what were you guys doing then?
0: Um, well, we were starting a family, you know, and, you know, many people might know this. I don't know this. I don't know. We have nine children. Um, six are married now, and we have uh, seven grandkids and one more in the oven that's coming. And
1: congratulations. Yeah,
0: it's super exciting to see another generation on the ground. Um, and so we were, you know, busy, you know, starting our family. And, and I had went to work for a company called Marriott Industries, which was kind of a mats and Mop, Ma uniform rental company and got it bought out by a company called Centos. so, so Centos is the, is the company that bought them. And so I learned about deliveries and, um, and one of my customers was a, was a produce stand in Portland and I grew up in, I didn't grow up in Portland, but I went to school in Portland. So I had connections in there. And so I went to work for him because I just couldn't see myself hauling rugs and (laughs) uniforms and things like that for, for 30 more years. And so I just, I mean, I'm, I'm wired to be a business owner and not necessarily you know, do that. And, and so I went to work for a small produce company and I got to know produce and then I got to meet these organic farmers. And this is back in the early nineties, right? And and then these people were part of something new and unique and alive and, um, and, and having a family and sort of, you know, as a Christian, there's a stewardship built into you. Mm -hmm. You know, we're here to steward the garden. We're here to take care of the resources. And, um, and so we just started, you know, that journey. And so I had delivery experience, with my own route of route sales, doing mats and mops and uniforms. And then I got this produce experience and then I met these farmers. And so at that point I started to pull those experiences together to get me on this track towards a home delivery company. Okay. You know, but it still took another five or six years before I even was able to launch the company, but we were making stride towards getting a little bit of land and starting our own produce store and things like that.
1: Yeah. So when you guys were looking at farmland up here in this area, then was that That was with the intent. That wasn't just being going to be a home farm. That was with the intent of um, continuing to move forward.
0: Oh, yeah. The house itself, my mom, she saw the house. She says, You're going to tear that down and put a mobile home on this property or something? I said, Oh, no, we're going to fix the house. But the barn, it was a pole building and it was perfect for a packing facility. It was perfect for our Box of Good program. You know, and before then we had packed out of smaller facilities and we rented land. And, you know, but when we got to Stanwood, it really. It really felt like we were farming more. You know, we had 23 acres now and not wow. two acres, and it was ours and not rented. And, you know, so it was very exciting.
1: Yeah. So then how was that when you guys first moved in and you started getting things started? What was that kind of like in the beginning for you guys?
0: Um, well, you know, we had a remodel project at that point. Um, and so we were remodeling <laughs> a barn, a house, uh, raising children. I think Joelle was pregnant with number um, seven at that point. And so we wanted to get the house finished so that the baby could be born not in the barn. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, that was a close call there. Um, but we ended up finish that. So it was, you know, a lot of juggling, but when you're younger, you know, in this case we're in our mid thirties, um, you know, you, you, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Right. I mean, parenting's hard work for sure. Yeah. And, you know, the, and, and running a business is hard work, but when you're just in your passion and you have so much to do, you don't notice, Right. you know, it's, it's harder when you have to Go out and do the work. But when you have so much to do, it's like, I don't have a choice. I got to go.
1: Yeah. No, uh, for sure. And it, you're just kind of living in this, um, I don't know, this kind of chaos. Um, and then you're just trying to bring a little bit of order and move it in one direction at least.
0: Yeah. And it was an interesting season because we, you know, about five years before we moved to Stanwood, we had started our company and we had a, like a produce store inside of a health food store. And then I met a CSA farmer. Uh, Claire, who had the oldest CSA in Washington, okay, um, and so I was actually selling her my produce um, before her season started because her customers wanted to support her, but she couldn't grow anything in in March and April, right? And so she bought produce from me, reboxed it up, um, and then delivered it to her customers, and then she went to her CSA during the CSA season, and I started thinking, wow, this is pretty cool, and so at that point. I started to do like a mini CSA inside my produce store. And so I had 30 moms who were willing to come by on Friday and pick up a $30 bag of produce.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, You know, and I'm like, oh, wow, it's amazing. So I can work, you know, for a couple hours, maybe on a Friday and sell, you know, 30 bags of produce or I could stand there for 10 hours all day, you know? And so at that point I'm like, oh, maybe I should go home and be with these six kids and help my wife, you know? So that's what sort of started us was that, you know, connection to that farmer. Of course, meeting the farmers initially and then connecting with that farmer, Claire, um, and then uh, and then just, you know, seeing how a box program could work. And at that point, this is 2000, 1999, 2000, we're talking dot-com bubble. Yeah. com just went out of business. WebVan just bought them and they went out of business, you know, and so then all of a sudden I'm starting a box program after these major players have just gone out of business. Right. What is going on here and what is crazy? And of course, you know, the economy was in bad shape at that point because, yep. you know, the stock market lost huge amounts of value and people were like hunkered down. But there was such an energy about small farms back then and family farms. And um, it just kind of it just it fell into that spot. And, you know, your father started it about the same time with Subscription Coffee. Yeah. You know, and there just was something about delivered, high quality, family-touched um, products. Right. And we were just kind of on that wave. And so we didn't even really have to advertise much. It was so much word of mouth. Yeah. You know, um, and, you know, to go from 50 customers to uh, 100 customers, that's not a big lift, right? But to go from 1,000 to 2,000, you know, that's a bigger lift. Right. You know, but in those early days, you know, to go 50 to 100 and 100, to 150, you know, which was a huge amount of growth. And it was plenty for us to do. Um, but it was, it was amazing that we'd actually could now farm and deliver good food. Because we've only delivered organic food for, what, 23 years Mm-hmm. You know, and so we've been able to be true to that mission and find customers. Yeah. Um, but it was, it hasn't always been easy. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Amazon figured that out, right? They were selling books when I started my company and Google got incorporated the year I began. And so those, <laughs> those guys have been playing ball for a while and, and Amazon, you know, their, their profit is your margin, yeah. you know, and so they sell produce and they, you know, do, and then there was Hello Fresh and Instacart and, you know, Blue Apron and, uh, and produce. And so this got really lean yeah, You know, and so we had to make some decisions about how we're going to compete in this space um, because we're a little company and we don't have deep pockets and we're not venture capitalist backed, right? We got right. to like spend our own profits to grow these companies. Yeah. And, um, and so that was about 2016 when it was super lean. And um, and then, you know, we met Tobin. I've known Tobin for years, of course, but yeah. Tobin, he just entered our world. And, and, I, and this is the part on the bus, right? You know, somebody comes up with these talents and, you know, I just said, you know, you just, Tobin, you just take your talents and you sit down with every department. And we we created, you know, a brand new fulfillment software so we could compete with Amazon and HelloFresh because we recognized that the, the days of having multiple people answer phones just wasn't the reality. People weren't calling anymore either, right? They were all texting or wanted to do, you know, Facebook Messenger or something. Yeah. So the phone hardly rang anymore, it seemed like. And so we just, you know, automated so much of our processes. Right. You know, and it made us leaner and we could get by with less administrative help. We still needed drivers and packers. Yeah. You know, but, you know, that moment when Tobin, you know, entered our world and we just kind of unleashed him and Peter, you know, to get after it. You know, they had a template. They had processes. They had systems in place that we'd done for years. Yeah. But then they just made where it made sense to automate. We automated, and where it made sense to touch with people, we kept those places. Right. Um, and you know, and that was the genesis of our second business, which is you know Cal. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: Customer-aligned logistics is like um, you know, small businesses need better tools. The Shopify's, the Facebook pages, they do they do a little bit Squarespace. You know, and you probably use a couple of those because you're a retail store. Right. Um, but they, they they don't do the whole gamut for a subscription business. Yes. It's a totally different beast to run a subscription business and recurring sales and all the fulfillment goes on. And so when we did that software and then, you know, in 2020, of course, we all want that to go away. <laughs> right. I mean, what a season to be in business and, you know, in March and have this world, you know, like just collapsing and seeing the China you know, response to the virus. Right. And then, you know, then all of a sudden it shows up in Washington and you're like, people are really nervous. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, our servers collapsing because we can't handle the demand that people are logging in. You know, we had like 400,000 people, it seemed like in a week, try to get product from us. And we were, we're localized King County to Skagit. Oh my goodness. But our system didn't break. I mean, it, it, it shook. Yeah. You know, because we never had to onboard 400 <laughs> new families at a time, right? Like that was brand new to us. But when I saw that we could scale with our system, yeah, then at that moment I, I pivoted and I said, this is going to become a product. Yeah. We're going to offer this to other small businesses who are trying to figure out because home delivery is here to stay. Yeah. And if we can help other businesses have a comprehensive kind of software solution to do e-commerce, whether you use a ship station and you use the post office or whether you use your own fleet, you know, and have one tool that could do that, you know, and so we personally started investing in making this Less um, we say we say declassify, you know. So because it was written for classics yep. and classic family farm at that moment, and so we had to declassify it, and we had to make it work for coffee companies and bagel companies and um, meal delivery companies and juice companies and even a shed company now is using our software. Nice. Um, And so it's been a it's been a learning curve for sure. But it seems like every time there's a disaster, dot com bubble, a 9/11, um, you know, or this pandemic, we just Tend to run towards the opportunity yeah. as opposed to hunker down. Yeah, you know, and so that's where we are today. We're we're sort of coming out of that last investment, and now we're breaking even. But uh, software companies are a totally different beast than, yes. than fulfillment.
1: Yeah, well, and that's you know we've we've kind of had a little bit of that um, ever since we you know ever since I've been here on the team. Um, but just the drastic difference between the you know the coffee roaster and the marketplace. They're they're very intertwined. But completely different businesses and how they run and operate, um, you know, you, they're just completely different issues that you run into. And, um, you know, there's so many different levels there.
0: Yeah. And the supply chains are different. You know, mm-hmm. the things you need to purchase, they need to purchase. You know, we're also an organic farm. And so, you know, during that pandemic, we had to figure out how we're going to try to grow food and there's no labor. You know, and you got to grow like three or four times the amount of food you normally grow, you know, and is it going to stick, not stick? And, you know, when you put something in the ground, you know, you got to grow it out. You know, I mean, we're talking, you know, sometimes like six, seven months before you harvest something, right? And you got to weed it, water it, and then harvest it. Like, how are we going to handle this? But it was so crazy that we had to have the farm team come inside and pack boxes and make deliveries because during that early day of the pandemic, it was all hands on deck. Yeah. You know, um, and so that was, you know, most important was to, you know, to feed people and to do that. And, and our software was, Brandon was so amazing. Like I answered the phone and somebody said, can you, can, you know, can you deliver to me? And they're like in Bothell and, and we'd have a truck in Bothell and we, we purposely pack extra boxes on our vehicles because, you know, life happens and people make a mistake or. And I said, well, if you can take this box, I can have it delivered in 10 minutes. And they were waiting three or four weeks for a spot at Whole Foods to pick up their produce, right? They couldn't even get yeah. a spot. Yeah. You know, and here I am 10 minutes later because our software was so robust, you know, hey, let me just, you know, call the driver, refresh your iPad and then, you know, put a new spot on there and they just delivered their extra box. Yeah. You know, and I thought, wow, this is an amazing opportunity to serve people. Yeah. And at that point, you know, Brandon, people really, they just didn't know. Right. You know, they just didn't know. And now it's, it's much more muted. And of course, with the Delta variant happening now, it's, it's again, sort of like, you know, we have to remember hope. Yeah, You know, and I think, you know, I was reading about POWs, and the ones who didn't make out of POW camp were the ones who thought, Christmas, I'll get out at Christmas. I'll get out at Easter. I'll get out. And, you know, and those days came, and they went by, and they came. But the ones who said, I'm never getting out of here, you know, they survived, because they didn't set their expectation. They didn't get dashed. And I think with this Delta variant, people... We need to keep hope.
2: Yeah. We
0: need to, you know, not think we're going to get out of this maybe tomorrow. We need to just say, we're going to get through this. Right. And we're going to do whatever it takes to get through this now. Because when we start to build up that hope on a certain date, it has no basis at all. Right. You know, other than the fact it's a nice number to pick. Yeah. You know. And um, it seems far enough down
1: that like, <laughs> of course it'll be done by then.
0: Yeah. Um, so I just want to encourage people to, you know, just to be diligent and to be kind and to put a smile on people's faces because you know that hope that joy is probably the best medicine we can have during this season.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's been our biggest, I mean, our mission at the marketplace is to bring joy to the Camino Island community through food service and drink. Yeah. And um when we're bringing people on, we want to make sure that that is they understand that that's our mission and what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um because we don't know what type of world they're coming into, you know, coming yeah. from. Exactly. And they're they're coming to our business um to escape it for a few minutes, to get a croissant and a coffee and just enjoy that and um, especially in today's world in everything, all the chaos that's going on, we feel like that mission is more important than ever to bring that to those people, to our customers and, and to the people.
0: I, I just think anytime you have a chance to make somebody's life better for a year or a minute, yeah, we should just do it. Yeah. You know, we should just bless them and planting those kinds of seeds, you know, those bear really good fruit down the road, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and it's, I don't know, it's just happier when you can bless Yeah, You know, and put a smile on somebody's face. And even through a mask, you know, it's harder (laughs) with the mask, but people's eyes still light up. Yes. You know, I mean, you can tell joy when you connect with somebody and they're just happy to see you. Yeah. You know, so good on you to do that.
1: Yeah. So, um, you've obviously with being in business for that many years, you've had a lot of new people come in, come out. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned in, as far as human resources, you know, working with the team? encouraging them and, and finding talent?
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm always interviewing. If I'm at the grocery store, (laughs) you know, if I'm at the park, I'm always interested in people's stories, you know, what are they doing and what's going on in their world. And, um, and then of course, you know, you know, friends of friends, you know, good people hang out with good people, talented people hang out with talented people. Right. And so you always want to sort of, you know, mine into your network of employees. Yeah. Right. Um. And, and you know, and and, and really be open minded because people do change. So, you know, that 12 year old kid that was super annoying <laughs> at the co-op, you know, now is 19 and a young man. Yeah. Or a young lady. Yeah. And they have found their bearings, yeah. you know, and so you want to like, you know, be open minded when people walk through your door and to see. And that's one of the hardest thing about me as a small business owner, maybe for you too, I don't know, is like. There's so much opportunity in every individual. Sometimes yeah. you take too much time. Like, you know, and, and you want to bring people in your business. So what I've had to do in my world is I've had to look for people that are really detail-oriented and kind of cautious because we're packing peaches and broccoli. Yeah. Right? And, and they will bruise one another or, you know, and so we want somebody in our business who's really careful to do a really good job. Yeah. You only need one Tristan. You know one flaky business owner who's out there thinking about the future, you know I mean you just need one visionary type person, but yeah. then you need a bunch of detailed people who love detail, who want to get it right, yeah, you know to kind of fill in the gaps and so I'm looking for detailed people. we use the disk surveys a lot of times when we hire people, yeah, um, we got that through Dave Ramsey, and um, that's been really helpful to help people understand who they are and how they're wired, yeah, and you can tweak those a little bit, you can kind of game them, but not not much, yeah like and and you know I've taken a couple of those, and I'm always. You know, I like people and I like making decisions. Yeah. And if I want to change my mind, I will do it in a minute. Because if your idea is better than my brand, I will go with your idea. <laughs> it's, my idea is not always the best idea. Right. I'm just putting it out there, you know. And so for me, you know, I'm looking for people that want to come to work. Yeah. And who want to do a really good job. Yeah. You know, and if you're, if you're not wired, I just, you know, I want you to go do something else because more than likely you're called to do something else. Right. Right. It's not like you, you failed. It's just that this isn't the right spot for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of how we approach hiring people and looking for them. But we could use some more. It has not been easy lately to find <laughs> help. <laughs> Matter of fact, it might be impossible to find help. I don't even know. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I do feel like, hard. you know, I think the administration, yeah. you know, you know, Trump and Biden both have done the small business community a disservice mm-hmm. by giving away so much unemployment, mm-hmm. you know, taking a lot of people off, you know, out of the workforce. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think that's been a harder policy, um, but I'm, I'm glad I think it's coming to an end and maybe we'll have a few people start to come back to work or want to work. Right. Cause we're not paying bad wages. We're paying fair wages. Yeah. You know, but I mean, most people like, I don't fault them, but if you could stay home and make the same money and do nothing. Right. You know, like why wouldn't you? Right. But if you're able bodied and you can put on a mask. Yeah. You know, we shouldn't pay you to stay home and do nothing. We should put you to work and you can become <laughs> part of society because not working is not healthy either. Right, we are supposed to work. We are supposed to be doing something, volunteering or working, or yeah. And when we're we're getting paid to do nothing, you know, that's not healthy either. Yeah. So work's not evil.
1: Yeah. No, and I, I think um, I think there's a couple things there. I think one, um, I think we've seen a lot of people. Um, uh, yeah, I guess, I think work is is put in a negative connotation a lot of times. Um, but like, I, I get to, for myself, like now. I love what I get to do and like each challenge, each problem is, is a, you know, it's like a, a puzzle to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that I think the unemployment and some of the, the freebies and stuff like that, that have been given out. And I, I, I want to be careful too, because I do think it's very important. There are the people that are the single moms and the people yeah. that need that money. And, um, you know, with no school and no childcare, how do you get a job if you can't, you know, bring yeah. a child to work? So I, I, for those people, my heart just goes out to them. Um, but it is the other thing that I felt is even just seeing it happen is the what does money mean and what is it worth. I feel like people have completely lost Ooh. what that means right now. Very
0: interesting, yeah. Um,
1: because if, if the government gives you a you know two thousand dollar check and up until that point you have been given, you know, you've been doing working and you know, most your paychecks are between a thousand to fifteen hundred or something. And all of a sudden you get $2,000 for free. It just warps that a little bit.
0: It mm-hmm. It is harder. And, and we're going to have to wrestle with that for a while. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, the amount of student debt and, you know, things like that, the cost of housing. It's, yes. there's some really big issues we have to work on and there's, there's probably be better solutions for them. Um, but right now we have to figure out how to get people back to work. Right. Because, you know, we, we chose in July not to plant. We said we, we, it was hard because we usually grow a fall crop of you know beets and cucumbers and lettuces and cabbages and but there just wasn't any labor coming down the pipe and 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 we had to still deliver and make things work and so we just you know we're growing out all of our pumpkins and winter squash and tomatoes of course you know that's in the ground in the spring but um, we just didn't have any labor and we yeah. couldn't see it. and then school's starting up you know and of course your kids go to school then you can't you know, put them to work because they're at school, you know? (laughs) And so, so, you know, it is, it's one of those seasons where as a business owner, you, you almost lose money or the opportunity to make money because the labor isn't there, Right. you know, and that's not good for the economy either when you can't, you know, find enough help to, you know, produce your, your product.
1: Right. Well, and I think that's the other thing that we're seeing. I mean, it's not even, I think it's, it's very obvious the supply chain issues mm-hmm. um, because there's not the laborers, because there's not people that are out there doing this, that work. And then you get other shortages. And, and this is the, like I've talked about this before, of um, the benefit of lean manufacturing is that everything is stacked on each other and everything is reliant on each other from the starting of the product to when it gets to somebody's door. The problem is with lean manufacturing is if you take a few of those pieces out for a month and then plug them back in, mm-hmm. you don't just lose a month. You lose a lot more because everything is so dependent now.
0: Right, um, it's very true. And we, you know, we we didn't have as much supply disruption, but there were seasons where we had to change a menu every day because mm-hmm. you know maybe there wasn't this product available or that product available, and so we were constantly having to just slot in what was available during that season. Yeah. Um, you know, bags and boxes have just been massive price increases after massive price increases, and you know we we've been able, you know, we we stockpiled before it all happened just by because we just plan, yeah. but, you know, we stayed way ahead of that, you know, and so we're always probably four months ahead of any boxes we need because, you know, we heard about it, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was, you know, now, you know, what? the cost of a van that we buy would, went from like 19,000 to 32 in like three months. Right. And these are used U-Haul vans for delivery of all things. And then, you yeah. know, and boxes, you know, they went up a hundred percent, you know, in like four months, Yeah. you know, and, and it is, it is a reminder that, you know, we probably should have a little more homegrown, you know, supply going on and not so independent on cargo ships. And, you know, I mean, if the cargo workers go on strike, the longshoremen or something like that, oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to see that again. Let's not go there. Let's yes. talk about some more positive things. <laughs> like, you know, we live in a beautiful place with a beautiful community. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so um,
1: so then as you were uh, pivoting and starting Cal then, what was it um, – how has that been? I, you were mentioning already that there was a big difference between a CSA company and a software company. Mm-hmm. What are the biggest things that have come out of that?
0: Um. Businesses are still, you know, as much as it is, you know, um, you know, buy supplies, manufacture something and deliver it or, you know, pass it through, you know, people's personalities come out different in those. And so home delivery in the truest sense for us, you know, our, we just did things in a, in a unique way too. And so our product wasn't really built for these other business owners and their mindsets and how they were doing business. Yeah. And a lot of the businesses are, are smaller businesses and and they were just, you know, kind of by flying by the seat of their pants, right? They were just making right. it work and cobbled together. And, and so we're trying to actually help them put structure to their business because we're a little bit larger and we've been through those things. And so we had to kind of bring them. So a lot of times just coaching them to be able to use a system like ours because it was new to them and then it forced them to make a decision yeah everything was on the table now. some things had to be let go of because you know now you want to grow, yeah and you can't have three thousand products and grow <laughs> like that. you know yep. you got to have like three hundred um, and so that was one of the challenges is that you know the businesses we we found were typically owner based um, and wanted to grow, but they were owner based
2: yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and with them and one of the reasons that we were able to do what we did was because you know, Elena, my daughter, who's, you know, second generation, much like you, right? Second generation, um, had stepped in and started running, you know, box of good and she was super talented at it. And, and, um, and so she freed me up not to have to put out every fire. (laughs) Yeah. and, And she was good at it. She actually made the business even better because her skill set's a little bit different than mine. And, um, And, you know, and so that's been helpful. And then Joelle, my wife, you know, she picked up the social media. And if you ever get a chance to go on her Instagram or Facebook pages, the photography is phenomenal. Yeah. She is really good at capturing, you know, the farm in action and the produce and things like that. And so having, you know, Joelle step into the business because now we're just have the three younger ones at home. Yeah. You know, and then having Elena step in and run the business gave me that freedom to sort of help out. You know, and be more of a parent to the business, so to speak. Yeah, Um, and visionary, but I could focus on Cal. Yeah, and it's taken everything I got to run this new software company because at 38 I had way more energy than I do at 55, (laughs) right? (laughs) But serving people, you know, I was compelled to. I was compelled to step back in because when I saw how well this worked, you know it other businesses need a chance to survive and they're going to need a better tool. They're going to need a complete toolbox yeah. to compete in the marketplace because there is more Amazons coming. There are more HelloFreshes mm-hmm. coming. There are more you know, QFCs and you know, it's just going to happen. Even you yeah. know, Walmart, right? And so if you're going to compete in the home delivery space, with your product. And it's typically going to be a very narrow space because you're not going to carry everything Walmart carries. Right. You've got to add some personality and you got to have a really good tool belt. Yeah. And Cal is that comprehensive solution. And so, um, I just couldn't, I just had to like, I just wanted to help so much. I just invested back into it. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Cause we
0: didn't have to do this. Right. You know, we could have just kept running box of good and and saved a ton of money and also, <laughs> you know, could have farmed into, yeah. But in the end, you know, when, when you want people to be successful, you know, you do things differently, right? And I want people to be successful. Yeah. You know, I want you to be successful. I want, you know, TJ to be successful over there. I want, you know, every little company that wants to do home delivery, I want them to have a chance to succeed. Yeah. Um, and so that's what the product is now. It's a chance for businesses to step in. Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited about it.
1: Yeah. Very cool. Um, what have been the unique challenges, challenges to that one versus when you were starting up Box of Good?
0: Well, Box of Good, you know, I had the produce experience, mm-hmm. right? I had the delivery experience. And so I could pretty much do everything. Yeah. But with the with software company, I'm not an engineer. Yeah. I don't write code. Yeah. Right. And so um, I have to sell the vision and, um, and then find the business. And then I have to turn loose the dev team. Yeah. You know, to, to, to kind of make it happen. Right. You know, and then it was hardest for me to get my mind around what the software could and couldn't do. Yeah. You know, and you, it, it just because, you know, everybody has a product and needs to deliver it. So therefore, Cal works. And, <laughs> but that is not true. Uh, you know, I mean, Cal requires, you know, delivery frequencies and, you know, payments are generated when you make a delivery. And, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that's triggered by a process of going through fulfillment. Um, and, and so not every company is really a good fit. Even if you do ship something, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the right fit. And so having to discern what, you know, what companies are the right fit, right. You know, and then also, are you ready for it? Yeah. And some companies are just bigger. They don't really, they have their own solution. Yeah. You know? And so, so it's been good for me to understand where our product really serves people and put energy in that. Yeah. You know, even the shed industry, you know, you think about shed industry, like, you know, they, they buy a shed build a shed, deliver a shed. I mean, I buy produce, put it in a box and deliver it, yep. you know, but it's, it was still a big difference, but I had a friend who had a shed, a shed business and he needed to bring his company up from the seventies when he got it from <laughs> grandpa, you know, and so we helped him do that. And, you know, and, and so even that business is still different enough that that's actually probably a fork, you know, we've actually now have Cal sheds and we have Cal home delivery because they are different enough, you know, even though they're similar does that make sense? Yeah. You know, they're just, yeah you know, they're just different. And so, so learning how and what you have to offer. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, there was one time, this one story, it was during a snowstorm and, um, and we were going home on Marine, Marine drive and there was a family that was stuck in the snow and I stopped to help. Right. Well, I don't have a four wheel drive truck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have a 15 passenger van at that time. Right. And so it ended up causing a car crash behind us because a person way back there came around the corner, couldn't see. Oh
1: no. And so
0: it, In my desire to help, I had created more opportunity for problems, right? You know, and so then what I realized, and this is, you know, just me, you know, learning and evolving as a Christian and a person, that if if I can help, I help. But if I need to drive by and pray, then I'm going to help that way. Yeah. Because I didn't have the tool at that time other than desire to help, (laughs) you know, and so and now I'm learning in business that, you know, I have to help those who I can really help. Yeah. And discerning where they are in their business model and whether their product our product lineup yeah. is all part of the game. Cause you don't want to waste people's time, right? You want to help them do a better job, yeah. you know? And so if it's a 30 minute conversation or a 30 year relationship, I'm game. Yeah. I'm willing to invest 30 minutes at least to figure out if we're the right fit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think bringing this full circle, that's true when you're looking at team members and stuff like that, and you're bringing people on board. Um, and then the people that move on and then the people that you do have to move on, um, you know, by letting them go, um, you know, all of that is, they're sometimes just not the right fit and they're, you know, no matter how much you like the person, cause we've had that mm-hmm. where you've got this great person, you love them as a person, it's just not working within the business. And mm-hmm. then they move on and they're very successful. And you're like, I was holding that person back because I was trying to put a square peg in a round hole, mm-hmm. um, when they really just needed a square hole. And, and,
0: yeah, and sometimes they actually are afraid to move on. Yes. You know, and so you have to unleash them a little bit or help them move on because it is better for them. And that's the hardest part because when they really want to work in a good company or in a great place and, you know, and they, they're cared for, but it's still not quite the right fit. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the hardest part about being a business owner is when you love the person and you like like them, but you have to say this isn't the right fit right and 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 but it's better for them right and that's yeah. why we always tell our own team members you know as like i shared earlier like you know let us know when you're thinking about moving on if god's calling you a different direction or you feel like you want to do something else go back to school we we're happy for you we will happily send you on your way yeah you know it's harder when you have to say i need to send you on your way right and then to do that with grace yeah. right and kindness yeah you know yeah and for so,
1: sure all right. Well, I like to end every podcast with some rapid-fire questions. All right. Uh, the first one is, what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months?
0: Um, I bought a Filson fishing hat. Filson <laughs> is this great company in Seattle, and they make really good outdoor clothing. And um, just, uh, yeah, it's, just a, it's a great hat to wear. And I it was under 100 bucks, and I bought nice. it. Yeah. Very I got to nice. use it in Alaska a couple weeks ago. Oh, nice. Really nice.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Um pretend you have a friend coming from out of town what would the first day look like here
0: Um well depending on you know their physical ability you know, we might go for that nice little walk off of the island. when You come on the I.D. Trail there, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, or we would, you know, we come here to the marketplace, get some coffee, and go to a, the state park, yeah. Um, but we'd want to introduce them to just the natural beauty in town here, and then I might end up with dinner at, you know, um, Jasmine's or something, yeah. Depending if they like Thai food or not. Um, so the first day here would definitely be an introduction to just the beauty of the natural resources around here, yeah. we are, we are richly blessed.
1: Yes, for sure. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, who is an interesting or fascinating person in this community that I should interview next?
0: Um, I would interview Carm Pierce. Okay. Carm Pierce is uh, spearheading the, um, the Camano Stanwood Art Center, Okay. which was the old furniture store right down there on the brick road. Yeah. And so there's going to be a new art center um, in town, and he's kind of chairing that and picking that up, and he owns a design company down in Everett. Um, so, yeah, I would interview Carm Pierce and... and um, and just kind of see where he sees the vision of that art center going.
1: Yeah, very cool. Uh, yep. All right. And finally, what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self?
0: Um, I would encourage my 20-year-old self to save more. I think that everybody should save something, every paycheck, um, whether it's a company 401k or an IRA or just a savings account. Um, nobody saw a pandemic coming. Yeah. You know, and if you, and if you are a saver... And if you practice saving, if you autopilot your saving, if whatever you can do to save money, um, you will be prepared when there's hard times. Right. Because you have something to fall back on. Yeah. And, and, you know, you won't miss 1% or 2% or 3%. You just won't miss it. Um, and if you put it away, it will grow over time and you will have different opportunities when you're 50 or 60 or 70 than if you start when you're 50, 60 or 70. Yeah. And then I would also, I would also pursue um, what you love like I would find out how I'm wired and what I like. And I would try to find things that lined up with that much sooner in life. Yeah. And I think I did okay with that. Like, you know, I found love of my life. um, And I found, you know, opportunity to serve people. And I get to be in this natural resource industry. um, And then I get to deliver fresh produce people, you know, like that's that's really amazing. So, yeah, love, you know, love what you do and find a way to do it. um, And then save, be a saver. Yeah. You know. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. This has been wonderful.
1: Yeah. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Tristan Classic for joining me on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to com slash podcast. That's comanocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.